demand of others to switch up the cards. Uh, I've told you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Inna alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sa'iyati amalina. Man yahdihillahi fila mudillalah wa man yudlil fila hadiyalah. Wa nashhadu an la ilaha illa allahu wahdahu la sharika lah. Wa nashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh. Wa ba'd. فإن خير حديث كتاب الله وخير هذه هذه محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم والشر الأمور مفتتحها وكل مفتتح بدع وكل بدع دلالة وكل دلالة في النار. Today, esteemed brother, esteemed Sheikh Sheikh Salim Al Amri, will be giving us a talk on the Sahaba as our role models, the companions as our role models. And the understanding and the applying of the message in the way of the Sahaba and the companions being the way to success, being the way forward. Without further ado, inshallah, I hand over to our team, Sheikh Salim al Amin. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina. إنه من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله تعالى وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة Brothers and sisters, our topic is about the Sahaba, the Quranic generation, the unique generation, the generation of the Sahaba, the generation that you will never find any parallel for that generation in the history of mankind. And quickly, I will mention the points which I would like to shed light upon them, and I would prefer that the question should be related to these points. Number one, the definition of the Sahabi. Two, virtues of the Sahaba in the Quran. Three, virtues of the Sahaba in the Sunnah. Four, Sahaba Ubudiyah. Number five, Sahaba's devotion to the Quran. Number six, our obligations towards the Prophet's companions. Number seven, our obligations towards the Prophet's family. Number eight, our obligations towards the scholars of the Salaf. And number nine, the Sahaba's sacrifices. Definition of the Sahabi. Who is the Sahabi? Who is the companion? Scholars, they have defined the Sahabi by saying, a companion is defined as one who met the Prophet wasallam. Even if it was for a moment of time, in a state of belief, and who died in that state? What does this mean? A person 
met the Prophet ﷺ, he believed in the Prophet ﷺ, even if just for five minutes. And then he died. Upon the Iman, then he is a Sahabi. That's why scholars, they talk about the small Sahaba. The children who saw the Prophet ﷺ. And they classified them as Sahaba. Sufyan al-Thawri was asked once, Who's better? Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, one of the Tabi'een, or Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan, radiallahu anhu. He said, a particle of dust in the nose of Muawiyah is better than Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. Simply, because Muawiyah is one of the Sahaba, he saw the Prophet ﷺ, he was one of the scribes of the Prophet ﷺ, one of the scribes who used to write the revelation. So that is the definition of the Sahabi. Virtues of the Sahaba in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. And we have to hold them in that high position which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Place them in it. That lofty and high status. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ فَعَلِمَ مَا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ فَأَنزَلَ السَّكِينَةَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَأَثَابَهُمْ فَتْحًا قَرِيبًا Which means, indeed, Allah was pleased with the believers. When they gave you the bay'ah, the bridge to you, Muhammad sallallahu under the tree. And this is known as Bay'at al-Rudwan. Because Allah was pleased with the Sahaba. And the background, you know the reason behind this Bay'ah? That the Prophet ﷺ sent Uthman to Mecca. And then a rumor was going on that the Mushriks killed Uthman. Then the Prophet ﷺ he asked the Sahaba to give him the bridge to fight. But it was only a rumor. And when the Sahaba were giving the bay'ah to the Prophet ﷺ, Uthman was absent. What did the Prophet ﷺ do? The Prophet ﷺ, he put his hand, right hand, on the left hand, and he said, and this is on behalf of Uthman. Because Uthman was absent, so I am giving the bay'ah on the behalf of Uthman. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَيْعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّيَّرَةِ Those who give you the bay'ah, Allah is pleased with them. Those are the companions of the Prophet And the khulafa were among them. And then you find the Shia, they curse them. May Allah curse them. So indeed Allah was pleased with the believers when they gave their bay'ah to you, Muhammad sallallahu under the tree. He knew what was in their hearts. He knew what was in their hearts. And he sent down a sakina, the calmness and tranquility upon them. And he rewarded them with a near victory. Fathan Kariba. And we know that this victory that the ayah is referring to is not the conquer of Makkah or conquest of Makkah. It's referring to al Hudaybiyah. The mushriks, they prevented the Muslims from entering Mecca. And after negotiations, they signed peace treaty or truce 
that they should not come this year, but the next year. And Allah called it Fatih. The Hudaybiyah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, فَعَلِمَ مَا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ So Allah knew what was in their hearts of the Sahaba. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with them because He knew that they will die upon the Iman. The Shia are saying the Sahaba, the Prophet after his death, they became kuffar. This means that Allah was unaware that they will become apostates. And this is what they are saying. They say when Allah said that He was pleased with them, later on He found out. And this is what they call it the principle of Bada'ah. Then later on, which means Allah, subhanahu astaghfirullah azim, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was uh, ignorant. He doesn't know what the sahab, what will happen to the sahaba. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, Alim Allah ma fi He knew that those sahaba, they will die on the deen as believers, as Muslims, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with them. Virtues of the Sahaba in the Sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ in the authentic narration, he said, that the best generations are the generations of the Prophet ﷺ, with the other companions, those who followed them, the Tabi'een, and those who followed them, the Tabi'i Tabi'een. So these are the three generations. And the Prophet ﷺ said, these are the best generation in mankind. Apart from the prophets and messengers. And this is hadith is in Bukhari. The best of my nation is my generation, then those who follow them, and then those who follow them. And the scholars have agreed that the last of those who followed, those who followed, lived to around 220. That the last tabi'i died. See, the history, they keep track, record. That the last tabi'i, the last one from the um, students of the immediate followers of the companions, died in 220. After that, the fitan started. The bid'ah started. Innovations started to take place. The mu'tazila, which is one of the deviant sects. Spoke out loudly and widely, and the philosophers raised their heads. This is during the time of the Mu'tazila, and that's where the fitna happened. Of the Khalq al Quran, where Imam Ahmad was tortured for this, because of the philosophy, because of the Mu'tazila, the creed of the Mu'tazila. Because the Muslims, they translated the works of the Greek. Aristotle said, Plato said, okay, Socrates said. So they left the Quran and Sunnah and they started following Aristotle and Plato and Socrates. And they started to impose these philosophies, injecting it into the creed, into the Quran, understanding the Quran according to the philosophy of the Greek. That's why one of the scholars said, 
Whenever the philosophy or the Greek literature, whatever you apply it in the deen, it spoils everything. It spoils everything. And see, yes, I'll give an example of one who, those who spent most of their lifetime for the philosophy, he was crying towards the end of his life. Imam Shahrastani. He said, by Allah, I have visited all the schools of thoughts. And I didn't find any cure or remedy to quench my thirst. Except I found people who are tapping their teeth or placing their hands on their cheeks. The philosophers. He said, لَعَمْرِي لَقَدْ طُفْتُ فِي تِلْكَ الْمَعَاهِدِ كُلِّهَا وَسَيَّرْتُ طَرْفِ بَيْنَ تِلْكَ الْمَعَاهِدِ فَلَمْ أَجِدْ إِلَّا وَاضِعًا كَفَّ حَائِرٍ عَلَى دَقْنٍ أَوْ قَارِعًا سِنَّ نَادِمِينَ I didn't find anything. Philosophy confused them. Imam Sanani answered. He said to him, لَعَلَّكَ أَهْمَلْتَ الطَّوَابَ بِمَعْهَدَ الرَّسُولِ وَمَنْ لَاقَاهُ مِنْ كُلِّ عَالِمِي فَمَا حَارَ مَنْ يُهْدَ بِهَدِّي مُحَمَّدٍ وَلَسْتَ تَرَاهُ قَارِعًا سِنَّ نَادِمِينَ Maybe you have ignored one institute, one school, and that's the school of Muhammad you did not visit. Had you visited the school of Muhammad you will never be confused. You will never be confused. And then of course, the people of Nali were tested, as I mentioned, Imam Ahmad, well, Subhanallah, three caliphs, three caliphs, one after the other. Everyone is telling the other, take care of Ahmad in the jail. Three caliphs. And Imam Ahmad remained steadfast. That's what he deserved the title, Imam Ahlul Sunnah. His son said, by Allah, many of the scholars of the, of the Salaf, they used to come and visit my father and say, Ahmad, say it. Say that the Quran is created. Imam Ahmad used to say, look, the people are waiting just for one word to say it. I will not say it. And alhamdulillah. And the fitna, alhamdulillah, due because of his steadfastness and patience. Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved the ummah from that fitna. Otherwise, we'll be up to date in that fitna. Abu Burda radiallahu anhu reports from his father. He said, we prayed Maghrib with Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then we said, why not sit until we pray Isha with him. Sahaba, they prayed the Maghrib with the Prophet and then they said, we'll pray Isha with the Prophet And so we sat and the Prophet came out to us and said, are you still here? We said, oh Allah's Messenger, we prayed Maghrib with you and we decided to sit here until we pray Isha with you. Because many of the Sahaba, their houses were distant. So he said, sallallahu alayhi you have done well. Then he raised his head towards the heavens. And he used to do that frequently, always, to look towards heaven. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in heaven. And he said then, the stars are the protection of the sky. As long as the stars are glittering, and remaining there in the positions, then the hour is away. The stars are the protection of the sky. When the stars have gone, that which has been forewarned will come to the sky. Which means the sign, the day of judgment. I am 
Then he said, I am the protection for my companions. I am the protection for my companions. When I have gone, that which has been forewarned will come to my companions. And immediately after his death, what happened to the Sahaba? The fitness started. Umar was assassinated, was stabbed by the Magi and Abu Majusi, and the fitan started. Then he said, my companions are the protection for this ummah. You can see now, that the presence of the companions is a protection for this ummah. When they have gone, that which has been forewarned will come to this ummah. This is in Muslim, uh, in Muslim Imam Ahmad. It's authentic hadith. So the Sahaba, they are protection. Their presence is a protection for us. When the narration which is authentic in Sunan al-Imam Darimi that Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, he went to one of the masjids of Kufa and he found there are circles and in every circle there was pile of pebbles, stones and there is a sheikh saying Count subhanallah 100 times, alhamdulillah 100 times. So Abu Musa al-Ash'ari reported to this to Ibn Mas'ud. So Ibn Mas'ud went and he covered his face. And he told them, how quickly, O Ummah and followers of Muhammad, how quickly you perish. The companions of your Prophet, the clothes of your prophets are still in good condition. They haven't become shabby. His utensils are still intact. His companions are behind you and among you. By Allah, you are either opening a gate, you are either upon a guidance which is better than the guidance of the Prophet, or you are opening the gate for misguidance. They said, oh, father of Abdurrahman, what we meant is something good. He said, many people, they want the good, but they will not achieve that good. The only way that you can achieve the good and attain good, the khair, is if you follow the sunnah of the Prophet And at the end of the narration, the companion says, by Allah, we found the majority of those who were counting the tasbih, fighting us with the khawarij. So, the presence of the, protection of the companion is a protection. What is our duty? our obligations towards the Prophet's companions. First of all, salamatu sadr. What do you mean salamatu sadr? Purity of heart and tongue towards the companions of the Prophet We should not hold any rancor or malice towards the companions. We should love them from the core of our hearts. All the companions. And should plant that love into the hearts of our children. The love of the Sahaba. As Imam Shafi'i said, when he was asked about the fitna that took place between Ali and Muawiyah, he said, Allah saved our swords from their blood. So let us save our tongues. Which means we didn't participate. So let us refrain from indulging into these vain talks about the companions. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, 
والذين جاءوا من بعدهم يقولون ربنا اغفر لنا ولاخواننا الذين سبقونا بالايمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين امنوا ربنا انك رؤوف رحيم and those who came after them we are after them right what do they say and those who came after them say our lord forgive us and our brethren who came before us into the faith always you are asking allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive them and to praise them and leave not in our hearts rancor against those who have believed our lord you are indeed full of kindness most merciful this is the step number 1 that we should not hold any rancor in our hearts number 2 we place everyone in his position which allah allotted allotted and for him the sahaba they vary in degree the best among the sahaba is abu bakr as-siddiq if abu, ba- abu bakr's iman outweigh the iman of the rest of the ummah abu bakr as-siddiq then umar ibn al-khattab Then Uthman and Affan, then Ali ibn Abi Talib. Then the Ashra, the ten. Then Ahlul Badr, those who witnessed the Battle of Badr, when the uh, one of the Sahaba, inshallah, I remember his name now. Uh, he wrote a letter. to his uh, to the people of Makkah telling them that the prophet sallallahu is coming to Makkah so the prophet sallallahu informed and he sent this letter with a woman and allah informed the prophet sallallahu that the mushriks will know because uh, this man sent a letter inshallah i will remember hatib bin abi balta jazakallah khair hatib bin abi balta i sent the letter So he sent the Prophet ﷺ, Ali ibn Abi Talib and another one and he said find the woman in this area and she has a letter. So they found her and they said give us the letter. She said I don't have any letter. He said they told her the Prophet ﷺ said you have the letter. Give it otherwise we'll stab you. Remove your clothes. Then she said all right. So she removed her scarf and see what she did. The woman how she hid the letter. she put the head the letter in her hair and then braided her hair so it is in one of the locks braided the hair on top of the letter so even if nothing is shown because the letter is inside and you wrote the letter umar ibn khattab he said to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam let me strike his neck let me chop his head off he's a munafiq the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said no He is from among those who witnessed Badr. May Allah Allah knew what is in their hearts the people of Badr and he said do whatever you like I have forgiven you. Now you can see the mistake Hatib made it's it's a big blunder. The whole Muslim army could fall into an ambush and be wiped off right that's why umar ibn khattab could not tolerate it 
said, let me chop his head, out, head, out, his head off. He's a munafiq. But because he's one who witnessed better that virtue. So this now, the Prophet ﷺ made comparison. Tell those who negate and deny manhajil muazanat. They say there is no methodology of weighing the, uh, the pros and cons. Ibn al-Qayyim and he said here, the only thing which expiates the sin of Hatib, that he was one of the people who witnessed better. So then the people of Badr. Jibreel came in one of the, uh, one of the, of the uh, battles and he said to the Prophet ﷺ, tell us, who are the best among you? The Prophet ﷺ asked, who are the best among the angels? Jibreel said, those who witnessed Badr. Those who participated in the battle of Badr, they are the best among the angels. Because in the battle of battle, the angels came and they were fighting with the Muslims. And the Sahaba, they used to hear the voices of the angels and seeing the heads flying huh, off. And they don't see who's, who's chopping these heads. The angels. The angels participated in the battle of battle. And the one who sent... The angels to fight in, in battle, he is able to bring and to send them down again. But when? When we deserve it. When we deserve it, then and only then they will come down. The angels participated in the battle of battle. Because Allah said, Ittastaghithuna Rabbakum. The Prophet ﷺ was crying and Abu Bakr was holding him from behind. Stop it, O Prophet of Allah. Stop it. He was crying and weeping. Oh Allah, if this group of the companions are wiped off, you will never be worshipped after today. That's why Allah sent down the angels. So the best... Among the angels, those who participated in the battle of battle. Also, from among our obligations, that we refrain and hold our tongues from indulging in talks pertaining to what happened between the Sahaba. What happened? Actually, it was a conspiracy, it was a plot. What happened between the Sahaba and those who participated in the assassination and the killing of Uthman, they were not the Sahaba. They came from different parts of the world. And their motivator was a Jew. Abdullah ibn Saba. A Jew. He was the one, the one who was mobilizing them. Who killed Uthman radiallahu anhu. Not the Sahaba. You have to bear this in mind. So it was a plot happened. And the enemies of Islam behind it. Number four. We don't claim invaluability of any of them. 
We are not attributing isma, invaluability, to any one of the Sahaba. Alhamdulillah, we are not Shia. Ahl Sunnah, they are saying, no one is masoom, no one is invaluable apart from the prophets and messengers. And Imam Malik, as it, many of you know, his famous statement when he said, Anyone, you can accept his words or reject them, depending on how close they are to the truth, except the one who uh, lies in that grave, and he pointed towards the grave of the Prophet So anyone, starting from Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, till any man in this ummah, common man. So no one is ma'soom. No one, his words should be followed irrespective of their closeness to the truth. No one. This sheikh said this, check these words, what he said. What is his proof? My sheikh said something. I love my sheikh, yes. But I should not follow him blindly. Say, my sheikh, what is the proof? Just take it like that. I'm not a Christian to take it on faith. Blindly. Don't you trust me? I do trust you. But I want my heart to be strengthened. Ibrahim alayhi salam, when he said to his Lord, My Lord, show me how you give life to the dead. Allah said, Awalam tu'min? Haven't you believed? Qala bala. I believe. I want itminan, I want tranquility, I want calmness, surety, show me. So Allah told him, take four pigeons, cut them, mix the, uh, their flesh, divide them in Abba, the mountains around you, call them, they will come to you. So always ask for the proof. Don't accept things blindly. Ask, what is the proof? You are not ma'soom. So I want to know. What is the delil? Substantiate and support what you are saying with the evidence from the Quran and the sunnah of the Prophet So we don't claim isma for any one of the sahaba. And it is known in the science of usul al-fiqh, the fundamentals of usul al-fiqh, the fundamentals of fiqh, that qawl al-sahabi laysa hujjah. That the words of a Sahabi is not authority by itself. That we should follow him. But the isma is for the whole ummah. That this ummah will never agree upon misguidance. This ummah, they will never hold a consensus or ijma' and agree unanimously upon misguidance. Never. But no single person that he is invaluable or he is ma'soom. So these are the things that we owe towards the Sahaba. Types of people regarding the Sahaba's love. People, they have differed. And alhamdulillah, you'll find Ahl Sunnah, they are always, as Allah described them, Ummatan Wasata, moderate Ummah. Always in the middle, between two extremes. Always they are between two extremes. In the Iman, they are between two extremes. The extreme of the Irja, 
Those who are saying, as long as you say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, you will go to the Jannah, no problem. Do whatever you like. Any sin you commit, they say actually, the alcoholic, the iman of an alcoholic, and the iman of Abu Bakr Siddiq is the same. See, this is one extreme. The other extreme, the Mu'tazila. Then the one who commits a major sin, he's a kafir. That means the one who drinks alcohol, he's a kafir. The one who commits adultery, he's a kafir. Subhanallah. If he's a kafir, what should be his punishment? Kill him. So what's the punishment for one who drinks alcohol? To be flogged. Not to be killed. So the variance and the difference in the punishment, this reflects that the crime is not the same. In Bukhari, Himar, one of the Sahaba, was alcoholic. And many times the Prophet ﷺ established the had upon him. And one day one of the Sahaba cursed him. And the Prophet ﷺ said to this Sahabi, Don't curse him by Allah, this alcoholic Himar radiallahu anhu. He loves Allah and he loves his messenger. See the testimony and the shahada. The Prophet ﷺ witnessed that this alcoholic loves Allah and he loves his messenger. And he didn't tolerate and he didn't accept from the Sahabi to curse him. So these two extremes, irja and i'tizal. So Ahl-Sunnah always in between. So, so what are the opinions regarding the Sahaba, the love of the Sahaba? Ahl-Sunnah. They love all of them and they place everyone in his status without going to extremes. They love every Sahabi and they know that this Sahabi has higher position than this Sahabi, so they know exactly. Second type of people are the extremists, Rawafid. The extremist Rawafid. Who are the Rawafid? In, in the olden days, there was a difference between Rafid and Tashayyar. Rafidi and Shi'i. In olden days, I'm talking about. The Tashayyu' means those who love Ali and they say Ali deserved the Khilafah rather than Uthman, before Uthman. So that they use and they, to call it Tashayyu'. But the Rabbit is to reject the two Khulafa, Abu Bakr and Umar. But now, is there any Tashayyu'? No, there is Rafid today. Those, they are Rafidah. They are rejecting the two caliphs. As a matter of fact, they are saying they are kuffar. Abu Bakr is kafir, Umar is kafir. And this is in their books. So they are rafidah. So the extremist rafidah. So they have extreme love for the Ahlul Bayt. Of course, they don't love Ahlul Bayt. But they pretend that they love them and hatred for the majority of the Sahaba. Because to them, all the Sahaba are kuffar. Except a handful. Ali and Al-Muqdad and Salman, that's it. The rest of the Sahaba, they are kuffar. And the deen reach us via the Sahaba. So reach us via the kuffar. So what are we? This is what they are trying to say. That we are kuffar. This is what they are saying. Then the Nawasib, the Khawarij, 
They extremely hate Ahlul Bayt. See? The Khawari. They extremely hate Ahlul Bayt, the family of the Prophet Who are the Sabiqoon? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ وَالَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوهُمْ بِإِحْسَانٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا عَنْهُ وَعَدَّ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَجْرِي تَحْتَهَا الْأَنْهَارِ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا ذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ And the first to embrace Islam of the Muhajirun and the Ansar and also those who followed them exactly in faith. Allah is well pleased with them as they are well pleased with Him. He has prepared for them gardens under which rivers flow to dwell the end forever, that is the supreme success. So who are those sabiqoon? Those who to embrace Islam in, in the early runners to Islam. There are two opinions among the scholars. One opinion says, those who pray towards the two qibla. This is one opinion. Those who pray towards the two qibla. Jerusalem, then Makkah. Jerusalem, then Makkah. In the early days, Muslims, they were in the early of the days of the da'wah, they, they were praying, facing the, the uh, Jerusalem, Bayt al-Maqdis. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded them to face the Qibla, Makkah. And He revealed the Qur'an, and this is one of the miraculous aspects of the Qur'an, brothers and sisters. He said, when He commanded the Muslims, see the Sahaba, the Sahaba, one of the Sahaba, he prayed the Asr with the Prophet ﷺ in the Masjid Nabawi. And he passed by the Sahaba praying in Masjid Quba, Asr. And he talked to the Imam and they were in their Ruku'ah. And he said, by Allah, calling them, talking to them. By Allah, I prayed the Asr with the Prophet ﷺ facing the Mecca. So the Imam turned and the congregation turned in the Salah. They didn't say this is Khabar Ahad. Hizb al Tahrir. Those Mu'tazila. What are Hizb al Tahrir? They are Mu'tazila. Exactly. They deny the punishment of the grave and the torment of the grave and everything. And maybe his Salah is saying, Allah ma'idni min adab jahannam min adab al qabr. Though he doesn't believe in it. So, the whole congregation turned. And they faced the Qibla. The Prophet ﷺ, he sent only Mu'adh ibn Jabal to Yemen. One. And the Yemenites become Muslims. The Yemenites, they didn't say, you are one, will not accept. This is actually a bid'ah invented by the Mu'tazila. So we should know that that's why the Sahaba are our example that we should follow. And they faced. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed regarding this event... He said, سَيَقُولُ السُّفَهَاءُ مِنَ النَّاسِ مَا وَلَّاهُمْ عَنْ قِبْلَتِهِمْ مَا وَلَّاهُمْ عَنْ قِبْلَتِهِمْ الَّتِي كَانُوا عَلَيْهَا سَيَقُولُ السُّفَهَاءُ مِنَ النَّاسِ The fools, the idiots. This is what the Quran is saying. The idiots from among mankind, they will say, what caused them to change the direction of the Qibla? Allah said, Sayyakul, this scene in the Arabic language, it is equivalent to will and shall in English. 
that they will say in the future. And this is another miraculous aspect of the Quran, as our brothers today mentioned, that when Allah said, Tabbat yada Abi Lahab, Abu Lahab could have come, and he said, Ashad Allah ilaha Allah, Jannah Ahmad Rasulullah, finish. And he will wipe the da'wah off. Right? Because the Quran is the word of Allah. Allah knew that Abu Lahab would never say, La ilaha Allah. The same thing here, Allah is challenging. And he said, they are going to say it. Why didn't they stop saying it? Why didn't they abstain and say, we'll prove you wrong, Muhammad, now. We'll prove you wrong. We'll finish your da'wah. But they came and say, why did you change your qibla? So you are the fools, right? <laughs> Simply, because Allah said, the fools will come and say, and you are the fools. This is another miraculous aspect of the Qur'an. So this is, they say, the sabiqun are those who pray towards the two qibla. This is one opinion. The second opinion, which is the most authentic one, they said those who reverted to Islam prior to the conquest of Makkah. Those who become Muslims and reverted to Islam before the Fatih of Makkah, and they were almost 1400. Almost 1400. So those are the sabiqun. Ghulu, extremism in the love of the companions. We should not go to the extreme. Because ghulu and extremism is totally rejected and prohibited in the Sharia. And the deviations, if you read the history of these deviations which took place, the Christians, why the Christians worship Jesus? Because of their extreme love. So they went to the extreme and they raised Jesus until they attributed divinity to Jesus. And say, Son of God, He's the begotten Son of God, etc. Because of the ghulu. Because of the ghulu. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said, لا تطروني كما أطرت النصارى عيسى بن مريم. That you should not praise me so much that you will reach the same situation which the Christian reached. That you raise me above my status. Never do that. And this is what the Prophet ﷺ warned the Muslims against. The Sufis, they have fallen in the same trap. You know, there is a holy poem, if we can say. Holy poem. Holy to the, to the Sufis. The Burda. It's translated now in English. Imam Busayri. Busayri said, addressing the Prophet ﷺ in his poem, and people that are repeating this poem in the parrot fashion, he said, Ya Akram al Khalqi, Maliman aludubihi siwaka inda hiduth al hadith al hamini. He's addressing the Prophet. Oh, the most honorable among the children and man- of mankind. There's no one whom I can resort to. And seek protection in, in the great, from the great event, except you. Then he went further and he said, وَإِن مِنْ يُودِكَ الدُّنْيَا وَضَرَّتُهَا وَمِنْ عُلُومِكَ عِلْمَ اللَّوْحِ وَالْقَلَمِ See, this is what the Prophet ﷺ was again. This is the ghulu. He said, وَإِن مِنْ يُودِكَ الدُّنْيَا This dunya, this world, and the hereafter. Because what is the darra, the co-wife? So he said, the dunya and its opposite, which is the akhirah. So verily the world, this world, and the hereafter, 
they are actually from your bounty. From you. Because of your generosity. Not only that, and he went further and he said, And every miracle performed and every sign was given to a prophet, it was from you, Muhammad Not from Allah. And he said, And a part of your knowledge is the knowledge of the pen and the knowledge of the preserved tablet. Whose knowledge is this? He is saying this is the knowledge, your knowledge, the knowledge of Muhammad So this is ghulu. This is the ghulu. And we should not, I mean, fall into this trap. So ghulu, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, addressing the people of the book, قُلْ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ لَا تَغْلُوا فِي دِينِكُمْ Say, O Muhammad sallallahu O people of the scripture, Jews and Christians, exceed not the limits in your religion by believing in something other than the truth. The merits of the Jews and Christians and their superiority to the Rafidah. Maybe this is a little bit strange. That the Jews and the Christians, they are superior to the Rafidah. How? If we ask the Jews, tell us, who are the best among you after Moses Alaihissalam? Their answer will be that the best among us are the students of Musa. The students of our prophet, they are the best among us, which is natural. Because Musa Alaihissalam is the best among us, so his students next to him, they are the best among us. Ask the Christians. Who are the best among you after Jesus? Say his disciples. The disciples of Jesus, they are better than us and they are the most honorable and respected among us. But ask the Rafidah. Who are the worst among us after the Prophet, his students? See the Rafidah, what they're saying? The Shia are saying that the worst among the Muslims are the companion of the Prophet. If these are the worst among mankind, and all of them became kuffar, this means that the Prophet ﷺ didn't discipline them, didn't teach them, didn't educate them. Because immediately after his death, they became kuffar. You can see now. And Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah in Minhaj al-Sunnah, he made comparison between the Rafidah and the Jews. And how many things they shared together in common. The Shia and the Jews. They shared in common. Then he listed them. Because Minhaj al-Sunnah, the methodology of the Sunnah, Shaykh al-Islam was debating with the scholar of Shia of, at his time. Our obligations towards the Prophet's family, Ahlul Bayt, we love Ahl al-Bayt. We love the family of the Prophet Not that the, only the Shia, they love them. The true love that Ahl sunnah they love the wives and they love the family of the Prophet So Ahl sunnah they love them from the bottom of their hearts, without ghulu, without trespassing the boundaries of the Sharia. In Sahih Muslim, the Prophet said, I ask you by Allah to take care of my family. I ask you by Allah to take care of my family. 
So the Prophet ﷺ was addressing the Sahaba to take care of his family, Ahlul Bayt. The uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, Al-Abbas, came complaining to the Prophet ﷺ that some men of Quraysh resent Banu Hashim, that they talk about the clan of the Prophet ﷺ. Upon hearing that, the Prophet ﷺ said, By Allah, in whose hands my soul is, they will never be believers, لا يؤمنون, until they love you for the sake of my relationship to you. They love you, O Abbas, for my relationship to you. Otherwise, they will not be perfect believers. This is what the Prophet ﷺ said. That's why in the year of the drought, you know the year of the drought, during the caliphate of Umar ibn Khattab, where they had famine and drought, the Prophet ﷺ so Umar ibn Khattab anhu said to Al-Abbas, O oh Al-Abbas, get up and pray and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send rain. Because the Prophet Al-Abbas is closer to the Prophet And the Bid'ah people, the Sufis, they say, see, see, tawassul, tawassul, tawassul with Al-Abbas. They say, now, tell us, Al-Abbas did or alive when he did that? Huh? First of all, he was alive. So we don't disagree with you that if someone is alive and he is pious and you ask him to pray for you, no problem. As in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ said, when the Tabi'i, Uwais uh, al-Qarni, Sahih Muslim, when Uwais al-Qarni comes from Yemen, ask him to pray for you. And when he came, Umar asked him to pray for them. So no problem. We disagree with you that you go to the grave of a dead person and ask him. That is actually is not tawassul, that is istighatha and that is shirk indeed. Number one. Number two, the same thing, this hadith is against you, not supporting your argument. Simply, had it been permissible, had it been permissible to ask the Prophet ﷺ, they would have gone to his grave. Why didn't they, why didn't they go to his grave? Because they realized that going to his grave is shirk. That's why they asked Al-Abbas. Why they asked Al-Abbas? Because he's a close, he's the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ. Though the, Umar ibn Khattab is better than Al-Abbas, no doubt. The Prophet ﷺ said regarding Umar, لو كان بعدي نبي لكان Umar. Had it been there any chance for a prophet to come after me, that would be so the only thing that because he is close to the Prophet, he is the uncle of the Prophet So the hadith actually is against them, and always you'll find the Sufis are using this hadith for their argument. Also, the Prophet's wives, anhum, the mothers of the believers, and members of the Prophet's family. يا نساء النبي لستن كأحد من النساء إن اتقيتن فلا تخضعن بالقول فيطمع الذي في قلبه مرض وقلن قولا معروفا O wives of the Prophet You are not like any other woman If you keep your duty to Allah Then be not soft in speech See a woman Her, her, her speech is not awra It's not awra, it's not haram But you should not soften it You know 
you call his brother so and so. No, he's not here. Zakalahim. No, he's not here. <laughs> hmm? Is it the same? Then you ring again. Huh? Yeah. Yes. So what is haram is softening that. But no, he's not here. Alhamdulillah, finish. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the wives of the Prophet sallallahu Then be not soft in speech. Lest, why? Lest he in whose heart is a disease should, should be moved with desire. Because she softened her speech. Then, yeah, there is a chance for evil. And I warn you, brothers and sisters, from chatting. Hmm? You're not chatting? Brothers and sisters, they are on the, always. Yeah, chatting. And you start with, Akhi, we are doing da'wah. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Da'wah. Talking only Quran, hadith, talking Quran, hadith. And then finally, do you have a cam? You know the camera? Huh? Yeah, the webcam, we can see each other. There's nothing wrong. I, my intention is noble, pure, mashallah. And then, this is the evil. Okay? So you should know the tricks of the shaitan. So should Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, lest he in whose heart is a disease, should be moved with desire, but speak in an honorable manner. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, وَقَرْنَ فِي بِيُوتِكُمْ فِي بِيُوتِكُنَّ وَلَا تَبَرَّجْنَ تَبَرُّجَ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ الْأُولَى وَأَقِمْنَ الصَّلَاةَ وَآتِينَ الزَّكَاةَ وَأَطِعْنَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُذْهِبَ عَنْكُمْ الرِّجْسَ أَهْلِ الْبَيْتِ وَيَطَهِرْكُمْ تَطْهِيرًا And stay in your houses. وَقَرْنَ فِي بِيُوتِكُمْ This is the normal place for any Muslim woman to stay in her house. As a matter of fact, the status of women in Islam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mashallah, gave them that high position, that lofty, beautiful status. She's sitting at home as a queen, commanding, running her kingdom, and giving a list of items, giving it to the man who sweats outside for the bread. Go, do the shopping, we need this, we need that. Giving commands. And she's sitting at home. Actually, the women in the West, they envy the Muslim women. But the Muslim women are ungrateful. Ungrateful for this ni'mah. <laughs> really, they are ungrateful. She wants to work. And the media brainwashing her 24 hours. Get your degree. Back home, they say the, you know, the secular, those secularists, they say, the community breathes with one lung. That means only one half. Because the women are not there, so the other lung should work. So, because they know. The moment women, a woman and a man sitting together, you know what happens. They know that. Corruption. And even productivity will go down. Productivity will go down. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the Muslim woman, stay at home. That's the normal place for you, to stay at home. 
unless circumstances compel you and force you to work. And then and only then you can work in an environment that suits your nature. Suits your nature. But under normal circumstances, you should stay at home and bring up the children. And subhanAllah, see the role of the mothers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them. This is an owner. Because you are dealing with the most delicate being in the creation. Who is that? Man. So you are bringing up the human beings. Okay? The husband, he goes outside and he works and he sweats and, and his boss is shouting. Right? On him. Okay? And you are at home, you don't feel anything. You don't, huh? Just you are, do this, do that, bring this, bring that. But you are bringing up the children. And we need mothers. Even the kuffar now, they realize this. And they're now they're encouraging that mothers should stay at home. And look after their children. Bring up the children. Because if you are 20, most of the day you are out. He is working. And she is working. And when they come from the office, they are totally exhausted and fatigued. So everyone wants to relax because then afternoon they have to go back to the office. I don't know if you have this system here or not. So when they see the children, when they come back, they want to sleep. Early morning they go up. The children, they don't see the parents. Yeah, maybe there's a babysitter. One looks after the children. The child will start calling the babysitter, mommy, mommy. Because mommy is not there. And even men, some of the Muslim women, they will not breastfeed the children. Because when you breastfeed the child, you give hanan, compassion, love. Even that is not there. His mother is this one, you know. The bottle. True or not? Yes. So the child will grow up and beautiful. He has no link, no emotional link and attachment to his mother. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the mothers, stay at home and stay in your houses. And do not display yourselves like that of the times of ignorance. Do not display yourself like that the days of Jahiliyyah. Believe me, the display of adornments and uh, <coughs> beauty at the days of Jahiliyyah better than this Jahiliyyah. Because that was the Jahiliyyah al-Ula, the first Jahiliyyah, but now there is a second Jahiliyyah. Before Islam, a woman would show just her hair and her neck, and that's it. But today, tell me. Tell me what you don't see. Tell me what is covered. Don't tell me what is uncovered. You'll find small portion only covered. And even that small portion is also revealed and shown. And see the fashion and how they design. Yeah. Today, this. Then, this. Then, from bottom. Then, from the back. The slit. This. So they are using the woman as just like any commodity for the business to sell their products. They are used and they deceive the woman. Will make you a star. Huh? You will become a star. A model. That's how they brainwash them. They play with their minds. And then the moment that they 
They are not bringing any, any more, no money. She's, for instance, if she's a singer, and then her sound is all, oh, coarse. How can they say, sorry, you have to go? That's why many of the singers, what they do, they ensure their vocal cords. You know this. Those models who have beautiful legs, they go to the insurance company and insure their legs. Those who have nice, you know, bosom, <laughs> they go and insure that. Because that is her asset. That's the only means of support. She knows it. Allah saved the Muslim women from this. So man actually is using the women. He's using them. And Islam protected them. A woman is protected from her cradle till the grave. As a baby, she is protected. As a daughter, she is protected. As a mother, she is protected. As a wife, she is protected. From day one till the last day of her life. People are taking care of her. But as I said, Muslim women, many of them, they are ungrateful. Imagine one of the most international feminists is an Egyptian lady. And he wrote many books. And she calls, when you see her, she's really, she looks like a shaitan. Her hair is like this. <laughs> really? I think uh, Saadawi, what's? Yeah, Saadawi. And subhanallah, you see she's a man. And one day she said, if I have the authority, because now in Egypt they prevented the male circumcision. Female, female circumcision is prohibited now in Egypt. Though female circumcision is sunnah and practice at the time of the Prophet And then she came and he said, if I had the authority, I would also prevent the men from being circumcised. They should not circumcise. Say, because that also affects the enjoyment. <coughs> Subhanallah. Anyway, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Okay, I have only five minutes as you see. Always happens every year. This is common. Okay? Okay. MashaAllah, generous, MashaAllah. Okay? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, and do not display yourselves like that of the times of ignorance and perform salah and give zakah and obey Allah and His Messenger. Allah wishes only to remove a rich, evil deeds and sins from you, O members of the family of the Prophet. Ahlul Bayt. And no doubt that the wives of the Prophet are from among the members of the family of the Prophet. Aisha. The Prophet ﷺ was praising Aisha. He said, Aisha's superiority over women is like the superiority of Thirid over the rest of food. Thirid, the Arabs, they know this. It's uh, we, uh, thin bread. Okay? Then we soak it in broth with meat. And it is very nice. Very nice. Very delicious. So the Prophet ﷺ is saying the superiority of Aisha over the women, or to the women, like that, the superiority of Thirid to the rest of the food. Tell now if you tell your wife, I love you as much as I love the Mac, McDonald. <laughs> she will slap you, I'm sure. Hmm? You love your stomach, you don't love me. You compare me to the, to the sandwich, 
the club sandwich. The Prophet ﷺ here, he's saying to Aisha, you are superior than the Thirid. So the similarity, the Prophet ﷺ, he used the food. And the Prophet ﷺ was serious when he said this. Okay? So he loves the Prophet ﷺ. And the love of Aisha was known to everyone. You know why? Because when you love, you love someone, you cannot hide the, that love. True? Because always you'll be mentioning that person. Any chance, you'll mention that name. Any chance. There's a chance you'll mention that name. So the Sahaba, they knew this. So much so that when they wanted to give gifts and presents to the Prophet ﷺ, they would wait for the day of Aisha. On the day of Aisha, the, everyone will come with the gift to the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ was asked, Who are the best? Whom do you love more from among the men? He said, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. Then, they asked him, From among the women, which one of your wives? He said, His daughter. Hmm? The daughter. So, and even that, when he was sick, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Where should I be tomorrow? Where should I be tomorrow? So all the wives, they said, You should remain in Aisha. And he died on her lap. This is Aisha Siddiqa. That the Shia, may Allah curse them. They're saying she's an adulteress. A'udhu billah min shaitan rajim Categories of the Salaf scholars. Who are the Salafs? And our obligations towards them. The Salaf are the companions and those who followed them from among the scholars who passed away upon the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and none of them had even been labeled as a heretic. So those who followed the Sahaba and the way of the Prophet ﷺ, we call them the Salaf, and they are the three generations. And the categories of the Salaf, the scholars of the Salaf, they are categorized in these categories. Narrators, those Ahlul Hadith, the narrators of Hadith, scholars of Usul, Al-Fiqh, Jurist al-Fuqaha, Imam Ahmad, Imam Malik, the Jurist, Al-Layth ibn Sa'ad, etc. Scholars of Tafsir, Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, etc. Mujahid and Qatada, etc. The experts in the language sciences from among the scholars of the Salaf. And also those who are encyclopedic scholars. What do you mean by encyclopedic scholars? Those who, mashallah, mastered all disciplines of knowledge. Because these scholars in the past, mashallah, you ask him for anything, he will answer you. Like for instance, Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah. He said, when Sheikh al-Islam speaks, all the knowledge, all disciplines of knowledge are in front of his eyes, and he chooses whatever he wants. If you hear him talks about tafsir, he said about himself when he was teaching the tafsir, by Allah, I would read 100 books of tafsir regarding one ayah. One ayah. If he talks about the hadith, he said Ibn Taymiyyah is the expert in hadith, he doesn't know anything. If he talks about the language, he says he's the expert in the language. As a matter of fact, he criticized Sibawai. And he pinpointed 100 mistakes that Sibawai made. So he was a reference in everything. 
That's why you find the enemies of Islam, they hate Ibn Taymiyyah. Because all deviant groups at his time, he exposed them. And brothers and sisters, if you want to know the true manhaj of the Salaf, read the books of Ibn Taymiyyah. Read the books of Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah. Really you will understand the methodology of the manhaj of the Salaf. Okay, have no time. So, just I will mention a few things about the devotion of the Sahaba to the Quran. So let me just finish this. Uh, Abdurrahman al-Taymi said, this is about Uthman bin Affan. He said, tonight I will be the first one to pray tahajjud prayer behind the station of Ibrahim, behind the maqam in Mecca. So when I finished praying the Isha, I stealthily managed to stand behind it. So carefully he went and he managed to stand behind the maqam. And all of a sudden... And all of a sudden, a man, while I was standing, I felt his hands between my shoulders. He was tapping me. And to my surprise, it was Uthman ibn Affan. And here Uthman started reading, starting by the mother of the book. Uthman starting Salah after Isha. The mother of the book, until he finished the Quran, then he performed the ruku and sujood, and he picked up his shoes and he left. What does it mean? Uthman finished the whole Quran in one rak'ah. The whole Quran in one rak'ah. And that was his witter. And this is in Hilyat al-Awliya and the Sanad is authentic. Also, Imam Tahawi and Imam Bayhaqi mentioned this. And this hadith also authenticated by Shu'ayb al-Arna'ut and Shaykh Zuhair al-Shawish. That Uthman used to read the whole Quran in one rak'ah as his witter. The whole Quran as his witr. In one rak'ah, the whole Quran. Stand up and pray the whole uh, finish the whole Quran in one rak'ah. That's what Uthman used to do. And the Sahaba, Abu Bakr, Uthman, Umar, this tahajjud and qiyam al-layl was a normal practice among them. Normal practice. The Prophet ﷺ, he passed by Abu Bakr and he was praying tahajjud, but his voice was low. And he passed by Umar, praying tahajjud at night, and he was raising his voice. So when both of them, Abu Bakr and Umar, came to the Prophet ﷺ, he said, I passed by you last night, O Abu Bakr, and I heard you praying, but your voice was low. He said, O Prophet of Allah, whom I called upon, heard me. Allah. So I pray, and he hears me. So he said, no, 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 raise your voice a little bit. And he said to Umar, I passed by you and you were raising your voice. He said, O oh, Prophet of Allah, to awaken the sleepers. <laughs> Those who are asleep, to awaken them. And to chase, <laughs> to awaken the sleepers and to chase away the devils and the shayateen. Umar ibn Khattab, I mentioned this, has two black lines on his cheeks. Always crying, always crying. He said, woe to me, woe to me, woe to me. If I sleep the day, I will lose my ra'iyah, those who I am in charge of. And if I pray, if I sleep at night, I will lose myself. What to do? 
He said, what to do, Umar? Allah will question you if a beast in Iraq fall from a cliff. Why didn't you pave the way for that beast? If an animal fall in Iraq, Allah will question you, Umar. Umar at night used to patrol and go through the Medina to hear, is there anyone complaining against Umar? He saw a fire and he headed towards that fire and he found a woman cooking, boiling water and saying to her children, now the food will be ready, now the food will be ready. And there was only water and the children slept. He said, what is there? He said, what to do? No food. He said, why don't you go to the Amir al-Mu'mineen? He said, he is unaware of us. May Allah shower his mercy upon Abu Bakr. So he went to Bayt al-Mal and he brought the wheat, the flour, and he cooked the meal, the food, made the food for the children. And he awoke the children and he fed the children. And he said to the mother, come tomorrow and report to Amir al-Mu'mini. And when she came, she found that was Umar. This is Umar ibn Khattab. Radiyallahu anhu wa arda. And to talk brothers and sisters about the Sahaba, it is a lengthy topic. And many things I skipped here. Many things. Inshallah, we'll cover them in question time. May Allah increase the love of our, of, for the companions in our hearts. And may Allah join us with them in the Jannah. Amen. Jazakallah khairan al-Sheikh Salim al-Amri on a beautiful talk on the Sahaba, their understanding of the Qur'an and the Sunnah, their love for the Prophet and our true path to success is to follow the Qur'an and the Sunnah in their way. As you may be able to see, there are one or two questions. Um, I specifically remember the Sheikh uh, requesting at the beginning of the talk that the questions be specifically related to the six, the six issues in uh, regard to the Sahaba. Uh, there are many questions here on the Shia, 